it would grow into something great. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, <clears throat> it's not always easy to know where to start a sermon. I like stories, and so I usually start with stories. I, and I, I actually have one, and we'll see how it fits. Um, I, uh, years ago when I was in college, I, I took up as a hobby uh, fixing things. And it was actually a forced hobby um, because I, I bought my first college car. It was like a $250 vehicle, and, and it broke down. Literally, I, the guy took my money and instantly disappeared, and the car broke down before I got across the parking lot. Um, <laughs> and and I, I started fixing as a way of, of um, keeping my vehicle on the road, but then also um, I started making a little side money. And, and one day I was working on um, a car for a friend, and, and I was going to the auto parts store to get parts. And, and I'd been, you know, fiddling around with cars for about a year, and so I kind of had an idea of what I was doing. And, and I, I'm working on, I remember it was a Mercury Cougar because it was a Thunderbird in the parking lot, um, and it had its hood open, and, and a crowd of folks standing around it. And so I, I pulled into the parking lot, and I looked, and I thought, oh, wow, that's almost the same, because the Thunderbird and the Cougar were almost the same car. I thought, it's almost the same car I'm working on. And so I walked over to, to see what they were doing, you know, the hood open and everything. And um, the gal who owned this car was, was not as attractive as my wife. Um, but she was, like, by the world standards, ex- very, very pretty. And, and her car had broken down. And there was a large crowd of, anyone to get us? Men. <laughs> Standing around that car, um, almost all of them were wearing mechanics gear, like jumpsuits with a little name badge that says, you know, bird or whatever, and they're all standing around, and they're taking turns, they're discussing, and they are clearly perplexed. And I, I walked up, and I said, hey, what's going on? And the lady said, well, my car broke down, and these guys have been, we've been out here for an hour, they can't figure out why it won't start. And my guess was that they had accumulated these gentlemen, um, and that they were um, thinking roughly the same thing I was. Hey, this is a very pretty girl. I should probably take the moment to fix her car. Um, and I said, well, let me, let me have a look. And you, you, you could tell these guys all kind of, yeah, right. You know? And so I, I leaned over, and I'm fiddling around with stuff. And, and I remember it was because a Ford had a little external solenoid from the starter, and I tapped on that with a screwdriver. And I said, well, turn the key. Let me hear what happens. And it fired right up. <laughs> and and I, all these guys got mad at me very quickly <laughs> and, and disappeared. Um, <laughs> and she got out and she was gushing, which is like if you're a teenage guy, that's the spot you want to be, right? I mean, <laughs> and I, so I'm standing there and she's like, oh, you must be such a great mechanic. Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Oh, I, you're so good at what you're doing, on and on and on, and I'm, my head is puffing up, and she says, man, you really must know your stuff. What did you do? <laughs> so I noticed your turn signal fluid's low, and I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I had no, I, I mean, I said, I, I you know, and I, I, I kind of stumbled over, and I came up with some sort of very technical sounding very made-up explanation as to what was wrong with the car. <laughs> and, and, and she left, and I, uh, I, I, I saved face and, and, and disappeared. Um, 
in that moment, and I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get serious here for half a second. I, I uh, in that moment, like I, I, I picked this story because it is, um, I took credit for something I really didn't do, right? Um, I think I've had 20 years to think about it, and I'm pretty sure that the the solenoid was busted, and then tapping it got the connection back together, and that's why it started. That's what I think. Um, <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose, but I had no problem taking credit um, for, for, for the work I did because, because, well, honestly, this gal was very pretty and I wanted to look cool in front of her. Um, there is, I think all of us have our weaknesses, right? Anybody in the room perfect? One of my weaknesses is, is pride. Man, I like getting credit for stuff. And I like, I like bragging. I like telling stories that make me look good, which is why I try to tell stories like that as often as possible. Um, like one of my biggest struggles in life is that. And as we kind of dive into the text today, um, this, is, this is one of those passages that's probably going to step on your toes. Everybody hear me? And I'm, I'm coming up front, hat in hand, eating a little crow, right, to let you know that, like, as I studied this, this is one of those ones that sort of jumped out at me and was like, hey, you got your imperfections. So be aware, right? Don't be on your guard, right? Because the nicest thing like, that can happen to you, the biggest blessing you can get is when God shows you how to be closer to him. Isn't it true? I, I posted a thing on Facebook. Uh, it was a little dialogue. This, I posted it this week, and some of you all probably saw it, where, man, you know, women don't make any sense. I don't understand what they want. Women, well... We're not that difficult. We only, and then he interrupts, you're all a mystery. I have no idea how I'm even supposed to figure out what you, you, know, what you want from me. Well, if you just, complete mystery. You have no idea. <laughs> um, God is awesome because he will step into our lives and tell us, this is what I have for you. This is what you need to do. And this is one of those passages. Um, when I first started going to church, that was every Sunday. It was like the pastor followed me around and sat in my living room. And watched me, and because every sermon like just cut right to the core of me, right? And that's that's the Holy Spirit working. It was not Pastor Mike. I remember the guy very clearly. Um, it wasn't him. It was the Holy Spirit, right? And so like when the Holy Spirit reminds us, like take it seriously because he doesn't always talk. We got to take it seriously. So as we dive into the text this week, John, um, John was one of Jesus' apostles. He was the apostle that Jesus loved. Um, He was the only one who died of natural causes at a ripe old age, Um, may have lived into the second century, right? Like he, he, he managed to live was fantastic. He died in prison, um, but he did survive. So John is writing a letter to the, to either a church or a group of churches. We're not sure, but he's addressing some false teachings. And in the series so far, what we've looked at is um, he's talked a little bit about walking in the light versus walking in the darkness. Right. For those of y'all who are coming in like late in the series, they're all online if you want to listen to them. Um, but like John is talking about walking in light versus walking in darkness, meaning if we if we're in the light, it'll be obvious because we'll obey Jesus' teachings. We'll follow Christ. We'll belong to Jesus. Last week, we talked about this idea that um, if you want to know for sure that you're following Jesus, look at your life and recognize if you love your brothers if you love your sisters in Christ, there's a sign that like you are in this place that God meant us to be. We're imitating Christ. We're loving the people around us like the people that God loves. We're loving along with him. 
Um, that's a sign of it. If you hate your brother, if you hate the folks around you, if you can't forgive people, if you carry around resentment and anger and bitterness and all this other stuff, bad sign, folks, right? Because we're not complying with the heart of Christ. Um, and I think we're all there. I mean, like, I don't know anybody who does this perfectly, but the indication there John is giving us is he's moving us in this direction. And John is about to do something kind of weird. He's going to write a poem. So, like, he's writing a letter, and then he breaks into this weird little poem, like, which is kind of a, it's almost jarring, right? It's caused some scholars to say, well, this isn't even original to the book, but, like, there's no real sign that it isn't original. It's John's voice. It's, you know, it's clearly belongs but it, it's, it's jarring. And the reason it's jarring is because John goes from, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Love your brothers and sisters. And then he does this really complimentary thing. And then he shifts back. And what he's about to do, he's going to say some really nice, reassuring things. And then he's going to punch about 10 times harder than he already has been. Everybody with me? Um, complimenting someone before you put something heavy on them is sometimes a wise strategy, and that's what John's given us. So as we dive in, this is John suddenly writing in poetry. Um, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Now watch this. Um, He's referring to the whole group, little children, like the whole church. Little children, I'm writing to you, your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Now very clearly, what this means is... um, These are people who are in relationship with Christ. These are people who are following Jesus. Up until this point, he's talked about, look, if you say you have no sin, then the truth isn't in you, right? So, like, acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your fallenness. Acknowledge your rebellion against God. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, um, like, he, he justifies us. He makes us right in his own sight through Jesus who died for us. And this is, like... The weight of that statement is in this, right? Like when he says, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake, he's saying Jesus was nailed to the cross. That last song, Larry and I did not coordinate, but he couldn't have picked a better one, right? If you are in Christ, um, Jesus literally, he took every ounce of rottenness and rebellion and sin and, and selfishness and garbage out of you, and he carried it on the cross. Like God poured his wrath out on Jesus and he took every ounce of punishment that you've earned throughout your life. And if we follow Jesus, he looks at us and he sees Jesus like like perfect Jesus in his place. We're given his righteousness, his goodness. Um like like that is the best gift we can get. And John is acknowledging as a group, folks, this church um he's writing to, he says, you're forgiven. For his namesake. You are forgiven because he died for you. You are forgiven because you are in him. Right? Like this isn't, oh, I acknowledged him. I said a prayer at one time in my life. This is you are in an abiding, ongoing, like intimate, serious relationship with Jesus. And you are forgiven and made new. Right? Um, So he said, hold on now. Be aware as I'm telling you this whole church, little children, you're forgiven. You are in Christ, and I am writing this to you because you are in Christ. Take it seriously. Um, I am writing to you, next verse, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. 
I write to you children because you know the Father. Now watch this. There's all these arguments about who he's talking to. Is this three groups or is it two or is it one? I'm going to tell you my like thinking is he's talking to two groups. When he says children, he's probably referring to the whole church. Fathers means like sort of the spiritually mature in the church. Young men refers to people who are like relatively new to the faith. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning, meaning you know Jesus, right? I'm writing this stuff to you not because I'm kicking your butt, not because you're in rebellion, not because you're lost, but because you know him. And so this is valuable information to you because you know him. You're walking in the light. You're not denying your sin. You love your brothers. You know him who is from the beginning. You know Jesus. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one, meaning you have faced temptation, meaning you have faced, like, like this selfish desire, this self-idolatry, this, like, like, stuff, this wickedness in us. You've faced that down, and you've put it away. You've beaten it. Now, Heads up, though, this is a little like my car fixing, right? These young men, like, overcame the evil one. They overcame Satan. But they didn't do it by their own power. They did it because Jesus first died for them. And Jesus then made them new people. And so they're capable of overcoming because of Jesus. Like, it's not as though, hey, we have it really nailed down and we're spiritual giants. It's, hey, Jesus did the work for you, but you've overcome, right? Like, you, you still have your responsibility, and they have overcome because Jesus, like, overcame for them. Um, and he tells them, look, I'm not knocking on you guys. Heads up, you guys have overcome the evil one. You know the Father. And now, know the Father, over and over again in the previous section, he talks about knowing the Father, right? Like, oh, you know, the, you're in the Father, you know the Father, all of this other stuff. So he's, like, emphasizing, guys, you got your stuff together. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. He's repeating himself. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong. The word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Again, he repeats himself, but there's a little bit of an addition there. The word of God dwells in you, meaning like the Son of God, Jesus himself, but also the scriptures, right? Like you know your stuff, and this gives you this strength, right? It's a little like Popeye and the spinach, right? You all know this one? Um, Popeye would eat the spinach and suddenly he would become strong. By the way, weird little bit of trivia. Popeye, in the earliest comics, he had a chicken, a magic chicken he would carry around, and that would make him strong. And for some reason they made it spinach. I'm guessing that the big spinach um, <laughs> got, got to them and changed it. But, like, we're that way. Like, we are strong when the word of God is in us and we can overcome. When we face temptation, we face loss, we face wickedness, we face like our own flesh, we face all of that stuff. It is possible because the word of God is in us. We fill ourselves with a source of strength that enables us to overcome the evil one. Um, When we accomplish those things, it's not by our own strength. We can't explain why we're so awesome. It is like the Holy Spirit. It is the Son of God. It is God's word in us that makes us strong. So he's finished his poem. Now John puts on his stomping boots. Um. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, this is a, a bit of a trickier thing to um, parse out, and we've got to think about this a minute. When he says love the world, he is not referring... He is not referring to the idea that we should hate everything that is physical and become Buddhist monks. Got it? We're not supposed to, like... 
oh, can't enjoy anything. Actually, the creation is a good thing. God made an amazing world, and he blessed us with it. I'll tell you what, um, was it Wednesday? Thursday. Uh, it was Thursday because um, my wife detoured around the south side of town on our way to dropping Abby off at school because the sunrise was, did anybody see it? One of the prettiest sunrises I've seen in Montana, right? And it's amazing because everyone seems to be the prettiest one I've ever seen in Montana um, because God has made this world beautiful for us to enjoy. And when we stop and we take a deep breath and we say, God has given this to us, what an amazing thing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When we hold our children and we say, thank you, God, for this beautiful gift. When we shake our brother's hands, when we give hugs, and we do all this fellowship stuff, which I love, 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 we enjoy it because God's creation is good. Our fellowship is good. Food is good, right? Um, it just is. Coffee is good. Um, I almost started talking about coffee this morning, um, but I decided a different direction. Anyway, um, so he's not talking about the creation being bad, um, and he's not saying we should not love the creation. What he's talking about is um, the quality of loving the world in a way that we're supposed to love God. Um, there was a time in my life when I, man, I loved to drink. I loved alcohol, right? It was my best friend. And that was something I loved more than I loved my family and more than I loved God and more than I loved anything else, Right? There have been times in my life when I loved credit more than I love God, right? I'm not going to lie. Like, actually, I still struggle with that. Like, you guys, when you, when you say, oh, man, you do such a good job preaching, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I do. And in reality, I'm that idiot, like, standing over the car, tapping on stuff, and, you know, <laughs> y'all are saying, you do such a good job. No, I don't. God does a good job, right? I barely know what I'm doing here. Um, and I don't say that as false modesty. It's the truth. But I love credit, right? Um, if we love things that are not God, if we love things like in God's place, we fall into a trap. And it's a trap that every one of us faces every day, right? Every one of us. Watch this. Um, I'm going to read Romans. Um, in Romans, Paul gives us this great line where he talks about how um, the creation, how men, all men, have fallen away from God and continually rebel. And as they rebel, they choose things other than God. And God says, you know what? If that's what you want, you can have it. Um, and he gives us over to sin, and it gets worse. Anybody ever start like a bad habit and then five years later think, how on earth did I get here? How did everything get this bad? Um, I do that all the time, which is horrible. Um, because when we rebel against God, he'll let us have it. And he'll let us pursue things that are rebellious against him until he starts slapping us around and waking us up, which is a terrible place to be, but also a great place to be. Anyway, um, so he's talking here about men rebelling. Um, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them to the lusts of their hearts and to, the, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves. Um, what, what he's talking about, and I could go on forever because it's a really, really tough passage. He's talking about this idea that 
these people, what they would do is they said, well, I was going to worship. You know, we worship God in the beginning. We begin to rebel. The fall happens, and we begin to worship stuff. We begin to worship things. Um, we, we worship things that aren't God. Um, and sometimes we worship ourselves. We worship sex, right? People worship sex. They think about it all the time. They look at it. They, they um, you know, cheat on their spouses looking at dirty pictures or reading those novels, you know, the ones that, that they sell to women. I assume I've never read one. Um, I really haven't. Uh, we, we worship that. We worship possessions, right? I went out and bought a car yesterday. I hate buying cars. Right. And about half the reason I hate buying cars is because there's a part of me that kind of lusts after the best and the coolest and the funnest thing I can possibly get. Right. Um, Men, how many of y'all find cars make for great toys and great indulgences? Does that mean that loving cars is a bad thing? Absolutely not. Right. Because honestly, muscle cars are so fantastic. If God didn't ordain that, I'm not sure what did. Right? I mean, there are dodges, but, you know, not, some things are sinful. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I bought a Honda. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the point being, um, it's not a bad thing to enjoy the creation. It is not a bad thing to enjoy sex, right? It's not. But when sex becomes an idol, when we love it more than we love God, that's a problem. When we love our stuff, more than we love God, that's a problem. When we love our accomplishments and how awesome we are more than we love God, guess what? That's a problem. When we love, love work, I've been there too, right? I, uh, my first youth pastor job, I, I grew a youth group from three kids to bigger than the church. The, the youth group raised so much money just by running events, we paid the church's mortgage one month out of our budget. Like, and man, I soak that up. Yeah, God did that, but let me tell you how I did it instead. It was that idiot kid standing over, you know, standing over a Thunderbird, trying to impress a pretty girl that was way out of my league anyway. Um, fortunately, I married a pretty girl who was way, way out of my league. Um, but it's all the same because we pretend that it's us, and in reality, it's God. Every good and perfect thing that we get is a blessing. Um, my wife and kids are a blessing, right? If my son grows up to be president, he did it because God blessed him and made him into that. Well, I don't know that that's a great caliber thing nowadays. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I so try not to do that. I'm really trying. I should not have said that. I, I repent openly. Um, but <laughs> if my son grows up to be a great man, that's God, not me, right? Um, if my... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I gotta, I gotta pause a second. Um, at the end of the day, anything that sits in God's place is an idol, is what it is, right? You might say, oh, it's not a statue to Baal that I'm burning my children on. Of course, sometimes we do burn our children on the altar of work, right? Sometimes we burn our marriages on the altar of revenge. Sometimes we burn our families on the altar of like, addiction or, or sex or um, greed or, you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes we burn things on that altar, but it's the same kind of altar that Baal was, 
It is. Our own pride chews us up. Our own greed and our own lust chews us up. Um, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Part of the reason for this is, watch, God will not share. Right? You want a perfect example of how this works. If I were to bring another woman home and say, honey, this is your co-wife. Is there any world in which that would work? Nope. Husbands, wives, would you share your position? This is my co-husband. I, I would probably agree to the co-husband as long as he went to work and I got to stay home and do all the family stuff. That'd be great. But like, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm it, right? I don't share my job. Um, God does not share. He will not share the throne. He will not share worship with anything. He won't. It's just not how he is. Um, God won't share his position as God with your job. God will not share his position with God as God with your money. God will not share his position as God with you. He will not. And if you want to be right with God, if you want to walk in this place, you have to do it loving God more than anything else. There's a great spot in C.S. Lewis, um, The Great Divorce, one of my favorite books, I read it, I don't know, 15 years ago. Eight, how long have we been? 15 years. It was right after we got married I read it. Um, 18 years ago. It was right after we got married I read it. Uh, <laughs> and and um, I, I, there's this great spot where this woman is there with her child. And, and she's in hell. And it's not really her child, but she insists it's her child. And, and there's an angel reasoning with her. If you would just... Give him up and love God more. You can still love your child, but you need to love God more. You know, don't, doesn't mean you have to hate him. It means love God more. All you have to do. She says, well, God wouldn't want me to love him more than I love my children. It's not the truth. We love our children, like, through the lens of loving God, period. Like, this is how God has designed us. It's how he's designed the creation, um, I love talking to my wife. I love making her laugh, right? But if I love those things more than I love her, I, I'm kind of screwing up. Um, I love God and I love the gifts he's given me in this world. I love the sunrise in Montana. Um, and, I, and I do love it. But it's because I love the Father that I have a whole other appreciation. It is under the umbrella of the love for the Father that I love my family and this town and everything else. Um, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Now watch this. He names three things. The desires of the flesh. This is what I want. Right? I want what I want, and I want it now. Right? This is the reason I can't lose weight. Right? How many of y'all can relate to this? I want to look good, but I want to eat tacos more than I want to eat look good. Right? I, this morning, I, I'm, you know, I want to live a long time and have good cholesterol, but man, the kids keep leaving their Halloween candy laying out. Right? That's that lust of the flesh. But, now, and you guys know what that is, where you look, you see, you want, and it kind of burns inside you. You know what I'm talking about, or is that just me? This is, this is everything that isn't God, right? When we look at the world around us, and we want, and we want so bad, um, the flesh. Like, that's what we're feeding. When we, um, 
I, it's, I, I talk about it a lot, and I, I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but the reality is that it's a real problem in our culture, like pornography. People don't look at pornography because they're intellectually curious. I met a guy once who said that. Oh, my problem is that I'm intellectually curious. I'm curious what they look like. I'm curious. No, you're not. <laughs> you ain't curious. You like looking at dirty pictures, and that's what you do, right? That's the lust of the flesh. It's feeding that. That's food. That's, that's gluttony. That's, that's um, sexual sin. That's, that's all of this stuff when we feed that. Does that mean it's wrong? Like, is it wrong for me to desire my wife? Nope. I should enjoy my wife in relation to, like, my relationship with God. Is it wrong for me to enjoy, like, a good barbecue meal? Nope. But I enjoy it as a part of my relationship with God. When that desire of the flesh consumes me, when it burns me up, then it's a problem. Everybody with me? I started late, by the way. I'm not running long. I started late. Um, <laughs> the desires of the eyes. Now watch this. Um, fulfilling the needs of the flesh is one. Desire of the eyes is when we covet. Right? That means I see and I want, but I want in a way that doesn't glorify God. Right? I want. I, uh, when we were looking at cars, I sent my wife several cars that I wanted. Right? They would be financially irresponsible choices. You know, I, I found a Porsche in Great Falls. Who owns a Porsche in Montana? Um, <laughs> but I sent it to my wife and said, you know, a small loan, <laughs> and we could own a Porsche. And there's a part of me that really wanted it. But you, you guys get my point. I see and I want, right? I see and I want. I see and I want. So, like, coveting, desire. And so, like, it's the, the needs of the flesh, this, like, hunger that we have in our flesh to fulfill our our, our, our like fleshly needs, our coveting, our looking, our desiring things that don't belong to us. And the final one is the pride of life. Now, this is the one I have the most trouble with. And I say this is a guy who has trouble with all of them. This is, yes, I did it, and I'm awesome, right? This is, yes, I'm better at my job than anyone else in the world. This is, oh, and I'm going to put myself out there and look like a big jerk. Um, this is, I have trouble forgiving my wife, and I put her in the cold treatment area sometimes because she wronged me, and doesn't she know I'm on the throne? Right? The pride and the bragging of our, actually, a lot of translations will say, instead of pride of life, they'll say pride and boasting in our accomplishment or in our awesomeness, right? And that's, that's tighter to the meaning here, um, that pride, that desire to like brag out and point out how awesome I am. And really that's where the fall began, ultimately. Isn't it? Eve, if you will just eat of that tree, you'll be like God. Won't that be great? In reality, like it's a that's a bad deal, right? Um, I should be in charge. You should serve me. And in reality, like I should love God. I should recognize that Jesus was nailed to the cross on my behalf. And that the only reason I have any value ultimately is because God made me and loves me and sustains me and watches over me the whole nine yards. I'm, you know, that is it. Um, everything I do right is a product of God's work. I, I, uh, I'm going to say this up front. This church has grown in the last few years, hasn't it? There's a part of me that wants to take credit for that so bad. But in reality, I haven't done anything. But the Holy Spirit did the work. I just show up. Like, that's God's deal. I probably would have screwed it up on my own. Believe me, I've screwed things up pretty good in the past. I know I can. In reality, like, I want to feed my pride on that, but really, it's God's work. 
All of this is about God's work. And when we look at ourselves and say, you should serve me, I won't forgive because you have wronged me and I'm going to torture you over it, or um, it's all about me. That's a Toby Keith song, right? I want to talk about me. Um, and I have talked about me way too much, so let's keep going. Um, by the way, the um, is not from the Father, but from the world. That means if you are looking, there are people, what is I read on Facebook the other day, um, God will never bless you with somebody else's husband. Right? <laughs> In reality, he, that's how it works. If you desire something that doesn't belong to you or you want to throw away what God has given you, that's not God's deal. That's yours. Um, and that's what John's saying here. These things, these sinful desires... They come from our flesh. They come from the world. They come from the fall. They come from sin. They do not come from the Father. Um, and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now watch this. John is giving us an explanation as to what the final result of all of this will be. I, the car I bought yesterday, 15 years, that's in a junkyard. just is, right? Um, I, my wife is one of the only women I've ever known who gets prettier as she gets older, right? In reality, both of us will one day die, right? Um, if I make her my God, I'm picking something that will not last. Um, meeting the needs of the flesh right now, it's going away, will not last. I talk to folks all the time who say, you know what, in my heart I'm struggling so hard and I have to say it will pass Look to God because he's forever, right? I'm so angry. Anger passes. Abide in him. Like that's what you got. I'm so ashamed. Bring it to Jesus. He'll make it right. Um, ultimately, in the long run, everything that we desire, everything in this creation will go away. That Montana sunrise will one day stop rising. And it will be replaced with something even better. But it will be even better because it will be obvious that the hand of the Father is in it. Right? In the long run, what we get from God, what will abide forever, um, is being in his will. My challenge for you today, and I know I'm way long and people are falling asleep and hungry and everything else. Um, but my challenge for you today is to look at your heart, to look at your spirit, to look deep inside you, to look at the sore spots on your feet, to look at the things that you're angry about. And can't seem to quit being angry about the things that you want and God just needs to understand this belongs to me. Or this way is the right way, whether he says it is or not. Or, you know, if anybody knows that I struggle with this, I will die inside because I'll be so ashamed. Like, look in your heart and in your life and ask yourself, what's out of harmony? What am I worshiping that is of the creation? What am I making number one that isn't the Father? And how do I rearrange my life so things are in harmony with his will? Does that mean I can't enjoy a good meal? No, right? Good meals can't be God. Does it mean I can't enjoy nature? Nope. Nature can't be God. Does it mean I can't enjoy my work? No. Work can't be God. Can I be proud of my work? Yes, in harmony with God's will. Like, I'm proud that God has made me capable of this. I'm proud that God has put me in this spot. Sometimes, God will take things away and make it hard for you to emphasize how much you're not looking to him. Anybody been there? I, 
I would talk to, doing addictions counseling, I would talk to alcoholics all the time who would say, I've reached a point that I don't even enjoy it anymore. Right? But I can't stop because it's the only thing I got. And in reality, like, it's a good sign that God's cutting you off. Take him seriously because at the end of the day, that is all that will last. That is all that is forever. If you hold on to the world too tightly, you'll lose it. The only way, the only way to be in harmony with God's will, to gain things for eternity, is to walk with him. I asked Larry to do one song for us. Um, Today is a communion Sunday, um, so I go 20 minutes long anyway. uh, Five minutes long so far, but it wasn't my fault. It was John's. Um, It is a communion Sunday, and so like... Um, my challenge to you, like as I'm talking about this, if there are things in your heart and things in your life where you're like, I ain't right here. If you were sitting there thinking, man, Eric is a jerk. Why is he saying this stuff? Right? I'm just saying what John said. If there's stuff in your life that you love more than you love God, like that you desire more than you desire to be close to God, um, repent of it. Be right with God. Um, pursue things that are forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, right before they nailed him on the cross for our sins, right before he carried the